Welcome to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Casey. I'm Olivia. And I'm Jamin. And today we are talking about another beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What does that mean? What does it mean to, to see God? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking biblically, weren't most people blinded by his brightness? Like... You know, the, the glow of him even, sh you know, shown on, was it Moses? Yeah. To the Not point. blinded, but. Well, just his glory his was radiating. His glory radiated, causing Moses himself to radiate. So, anyway, but just, you know, I think about, so, once again, using media as a way to influence the way I think. Um, there was the old, like, Touched by an Angel episodes. Where like, wait, <laughs> never seen Touch by ah. Oh man, we're I we're just also. I thought that was a song. No, that's a thing. Um, but I just remember like the glow coming down from people or like the angels, like ha, ah! and uh, every episode. <laughs> every man. episode happened. Yeah, so you know how like every episode has like every show has some kind of formula it usually follows. And mm -hmm. Touch by an Angel, these. Two angel ladies help people. And the guy. Was there a guy? Yeah, the guy was death. He would always show up to uh, adhere people to, oh, to I death. I don't remember the two ladies. They'd always kind of like try to help guide people through their lives. And at the end, they this classic moment every time, the like spotlight above their heads would come on and <laughs> they'd start like glowing, glowing a little bit. Be like, I am an angel sent from God. And then they disappear, and that's the end of the episode. So Pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so continue. Well, no, there was also a dove at the end that was... Oh, yeah, so But, continue. <laughs> but, just the idea of, like, you know, even being one step removed from God, you know, they would glow, and it was so bright that it, was, it would blind your eyes if you tried to look at him directly. Mm. And just, you know, in most human instances... If we were to try to see God, like you'd be blinded. You know, I think of it you'd like be dead, actually. Oh, or that too. Unless but. you were to see. Never mind. Anyway, so that was just to to see God to me is like that would be interesting. So we talked about this in our Transfiguration episode, but glowing is often a trait that is associated with spiritual beings. Because in the ancient minds, stars were spiritual beings, stars glow, so if you were to see a spiritual being somehow on the earth, they would be glowy as well. Jesus himself glows, and then you also have Elijah and Moses who show up on the mountain who seem to appear in their own kind of like glory that's been imparted to them. So, yes, glowiness is a part of uh, the understanding of spiritual beings. As it is with Christians at the end of, of Revelation, when we're given our new resurrected bodies, they too glow like spiritual beings. So, because we then are putting on what Paul said was a resurrected body that was like this spiritual, physical body hybrid thing. We all tracking? So we were gonna be spiritual cyborgs? No. I'm gonna write a book <laughs> called Spiritual Cyborgs. 
But I would like to talk about very quickly in reference, you're talking about like, how would you see God, right? The Bible says, if you see God, then you'll die. And those who have kind of come close to seeing God seem to be like radiating, like it's definitely made an impact on their life or they've been freaked out or so on and so forth. Right. So what do we think this is saying? I don't know if you've noticed this, but like a lot of these passages are eschatological. <laughs> I love how you can't say that word without using your finger. Eschatological. Which, With a shimmy. Not only the finger, it's the finger in the shimmy. Eschatological is like a, a word that we use when we're referring to like the end, the fullness, the like result of like where we are headed, the eschatological moment in time. Don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of our statements are eschatological, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is here now, but when is it fully here? At the end, at the eschatological moment, right? So Jesus is saying like, you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven that is coming? Then poor in spirit, that's how we live. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. We could still think of eschatologicalness, right? Because think of at the end of Revelation, what does God do? Wipes away every tear from the eye. Get ready for revolution. Oh, come on, oh, come on, oh, come on. <laughs> what are you singing? Of course you don't know this. It's an old Christian song. It's Kirk Franklin. Yeah, it's not it. old. I've never heard that name before. The man doesn't age. Have you seen a picture? He looks the same. He's always looked the same. So he's a cyborg. <gasps> Full circle. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Perhaps we would say not just now, but in the eschatological end. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Perhaps we might not say just now, but in the eschatological judgment, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. So yes, we do see God clearly in this life right now when we are living out a purity of our hearts, but... It's also eschatological, right? Right? Yes. Who are the ones who see God at the end? And Revelation again. They're finally seeing God. Here he is. He's on the earth. The ones who go through to see it are those who have been made pure in heart, have pursued pure in heart. And we could continue going through the rest of Beatitudes and seeing that eschatologicalness as well. So yes, later and now. Now and later. You can segue that? But like, how now? How now, brown cow? I'm totally gonna say that too. I don't know, let's talk about that. What ways, <laughs> in what ways might you see God? That's an, that's an old saying that has been passed down from grandfather to grandfather from generations. Neither of you are grandfathers. She does have a point. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I've heard it from my grandfather. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys can answer it further because I, I just try to throw some in there. It's okay. Like when we're trying to speak into someone's situation where they can't see it. Uh, continue. Okay. What if? 
the pure in heart, right? Am I saying that right so far? No. Okay, cool. Want to make sure I got the right thing in my head. What if the pure in heart who get to see God are like, so you know how people always say like, I wish I could have faith like a child because they just believe like so well. So like for me, when I think of people who are pure in heart, I think of like that childlike wonder, like anyone who like sees something simple like a tree, but then gets really excited because like, oh, this leaf is so cool. Like that childlike wonder when you look at something and you find just the beautiful details. And what if seeing God is more like seeing his image in others? So like we're made in God's image. So like those who are pure in heart can find God in people. So like those who always find the best in people are those who get to see God. And we've got a call. Let's see what they think. <laughs> yeah, so that would be one way to think about it. I mean, if you're pure in heart and you're searching after God, you might be more apt to find him more easily, mm -hmm. uh, which might kind of go back to the clarity idea that I was trying to say, like, if you're living a pure life, God sometimes is easier to like, feel like you have this connection with the Holy Spirit because you don't have all this other stuff clouding the way. So like, if you're living that pure life and you see someone and they're on the side of the road and a drunken stupor on the side of the road, maybe God will be able to give you this clarity in that moment. Like, can you see the way that I would see them? Can you see me right now, how I would treat them? So yeah, that, that's, that's a fun way to think about it too. Um, why isn't it that the pure in heart can see God as opposed to anybody seeking can see God? Well, there's other verses that talk about like, you know, seeking you will find, things like that. So, like, people who search for God often will find him. Sometimes they don't. Uh, sometimes they think they're chasing after God. They're actually chasing after someone else. I do have a friend who God convicted him one time. Um, he had this man sitting in his office. He was a pastor. And this guy talked about, like, the last ten religions he had gone through. <laughs> <laughs> like he just kept switching to like another one and like you many of us would be like dude you're dabbling with some bad stuff but the way this pastor felt convicted was god just suddenly spoke into his heart like do you see how badly this guy's trying to find me right now do you search that hard <laughs> and he was like oh wow you know like this guy still hadn't found god and he kept running to the wrong things but his heart was in a place where like he wanted the real answer and, and the real, real thing, you know? Um, and so did that guy, I mean, what's his story now? Did he find God? I, I don't know, but he's at least searching and hopefully his story is that eventually God revealed himself to him uh, through Jesus as, as he actually is. Um, but the pure in heart finding God, I mean, partly, partially these beatitudes are describing like, if you're gonna join the kingdom of heaven, if you're gonna follow Jesus, if you've decided that what God is doing is a thing that you're going to be a part of, here's the way in which you're gonna live. I often call it the politics of heaven, uh, is that if you are to live out the 
expectations of what the country of heaven expects you as a citizen to live, pure in heart is going to be one of those one of those ways. And as you live that out as a citizen, you will see God. So I don't know that this is an empty promise to like everyone out there. Uh, sorry, not an empty promise. I don't know that this is a blanket promise. Yeah, a blanket promise because it's not saying like you know like. Uh, there are plenty of poor in spirit people out there. It's not like, a, okay, you were poor in spirit, you're in, you know, like, it's more like what well, was... You made the list, you can go in now. Yeah. What was your intention behind living this out? Well, it's because you had decided to become a citizen of heaven, to live out those politics, and while you did that, these were the expectations for you. So, pure in heart, when we see that in people, we recognize it as the image of God because we know that God is pure in heart. But just because someone has purity in their heart does not always mean that they've accepted Jesus. In fact, we know that if they haven't accepted Jesus, they still haven't reached the fullness of how clean they can be, even if they have a certain level of purity just by being made in the image of God. Just making some kind of sense. Yes. The Beatitudes are not blanket statements. I think he said it backwards, though. Did I? Backwards, I, you, you made the point very well, but backwards to Casey's question. Oh. So Casey's question was, why do you have to be pure in heart to find God? And you answered how finding God doesn't necessarily mean you're pure in heart. Well, we're not, we're not right when we find God. That's part of the gospel. We're not Technically, we're not right until we find God, right? Because mm -hmm. that's how we are made right with God, and that is how we are given the Holy Spirit, who then produces the resurrected body, not just at the eschatological end of all things. Full circle! But right now, like living out of your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those fruits, that is a part of what resurrection looks like. But it's expected that you're going to start receiving those those seeds of resurrection right now. So these are seeds as well. You weren't poor in spirit when you got saved, right? You weren't mourning when you got saved. You weren't meek. You weren't hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I know plenty of people who got saved and still needed a lot of chiseling after, right? Because they didn't have any of these things. But here's Jesus saying like, okay, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. Welcome to becoming a citizen here. Welcome to following me. I'm the king. How you doing? Welcome in. Here's how you live now. So you don't necessarily need to be pure in heart to receive Jesus or to find God. But once you find God, purity in heart is now like an expectation of what you are pursuing. Because this is the eschatological resurrection life ahead of you where you will be made completely pure in heart between whatever level you've achieved it now and the fullness of what will come. All right, then with that, we've talked quite a bit, but we'd like to hear your thoughts. So what do you think? Uh, how do the pure in heart see God other than eschatologically? And right now, let us know on the Discord or in the comments below. Jackson Cloud is an online church and we want you to be a part of it, which you could do so by engaging with us and the rest of the community at the Discord link below. And also, be sure to put down how many times Jamin said eschatological in this episode, because we want to find out.
you realize I'm going to do that for, like, the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know how long I've been waiting to use that word in church but never had time to explain it to anyone? <laughs> Thank you, Jackson Cloud, for giving me the space to use the word eschatological. And that counts, too. And with that, we're out. Eschatologically out. I always wanted to write this book about, you know what? If, if this touches your heart and you want to write it instead, bless you. All right. An Amish boy who, like, a tree falls on his arm and they have to, like, take it off. And he has to face the dilemma of, like, I can have a cyborg arm, but then I can't be Amish anymore. <laughs> and so he, he then, like, gets the cyborg arm and he's trying to get his family to accept him. But there's this whole, like cultural gap and nobody yeah. know like our son is part robot now can he still be one of us or has <laughs> and there's also this whole love story it's an Amish love romance book okay all right anyways haven't written it there's the blueprint run with it keep it appropriate okay I mean you did just tell them it was a romance book and then you told them well I didn't mean like inappropriate romance that's not what it meant Romance is inappropriate because it's romance? Uh, no, I just mean that romance novels are inappropriate. It's not that kind of romance novel. It's just, there's romance in it. So, we'll cut right She's here. Like, Can I love this man? He's a cyborg. Will my family cast me out too? It's a very big, reasonable dilemma. <laughs> it just means it's a drama, not a romance novel. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's what I meant. Okay. Uh-huh. You're using the word different. Weird. Alright. I think you're using the, the, the category incorrectly. <laughs> oh, How did we sure get into that? What said. were we talking about? How do you remember? Glow, come back in. Glow, angel, angel. No, no, no. no back in. You're not allowed to cut this part out. This has to stay. Listen. Uh, spiritual cyborg. Spiritual cyborg. Uh, new heaven. Oh yeah. Okay. 